the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 217 Breakdown, picks, plays, you know the deal, motherfuckers, whatever else comes our way, let's get to work. It was all a dream, I used to read Word Up magazine, salt and pepper and heavy D up in the limousine, and the pictures on my wall, every Saturday rap attack Mr. Magic Molly Mall, I let my tape rock to my tape pop, smoking weed and bamboo, sipping on props, not way back, when I had the red and black lumberjack, with the hat to back, remember rapping dude, the hard, the hard, you never thought that hip hop would take it this far, now I'm in the limelight cause I rhyme tight, time to get paid, blow up like the world trade, is up you savages this is the protect your neck podcast and i am your host dan tom who you can find at mmajunkie.com or mmajunkie radio and today tonight whenever you're listening right here on this here show the protect your neck podcast we will be unpacking ufc 217 in our usual fashion from bottom to top covering betting picks predictions all that good stuff but a few things off the top, uh, aside from the change of music, which you know I, I will do from time to time here on this here show uh, when I feel it's apropos, and, and and I felt it was. You know I have a spot, soft spot for New York. I used to live there, used to work there for a very short time, but um, you know, definitely has its own uh, uh, its own uh, its, its own piece of history in Dan Tom's uh, life, and it was an important important piece. You know, it taught me a lot. And not too too wax because again it is it is apropos to what, what we're talking about. Um, I figure this is a good reminder, you know, because it, I often complain if you know me or or, or I know I kind of have waxed on it a couple times this week on uh, MMA Junkie Radio. Be sure uh, you know you're following along there at MMA Junkie Radio on on Twitter. Um, that you know just the oversaturation, you know. Obviously, from a selfish point of view, yeah, it would be nice to. You know, be able to have, you know, vacations again to go to New York. Because I know I keep talking about it. Daniel always keeps saying you go to New York show. You never go. I know. Believe me. I just, I just haven't been in New York. That's why I've been in a New York show. Um, you know, I, I, I yes, yes. I, I would like to get out more in this and that. But but as much as be easy to complain about the oversaturation, because, you know, unselfishly, I, I, I just feel it, it has an effect on all of us. I'm not going to go into a whole rehash that diatribe. I'm, I'm sure a lot of you share it, or even if you don't share it, are at least aware of it, which is cool. Uh, you don't have to agree with me. It's just, just my two cents. Uh, you know, I feel like less is more. Um, but yeah. Uh, it, it, anyways, before we, I get sucked down that rabbit hole again, and overwhelmed as I often am easily just feel like these days, you know, uh, easily am with just not not personally complaining here. I'm just talking about the MMA sphere, you know, news breaking is just always kind of something every corner you turn. Uh, we all feel that uh, to a certain extent. But uh, but man, it, it it the New York shows from, you know, at least this one, you know, whenever I think of New York, of course, I think of my own like personal experiences there, but it, it makes me. Bring this up because it, it, it reminds me to just be grateful, and uh, I, I like you. Know, I think we all like to think we, we're all grateful, but uh, I, you know, I'm not a big Thanksgiving guy. So I'm like, hey, we should be grateful every day, and you know, you know, the pilgrims and the Indians and all that historical uh, nonsensory. But uh, anyways, neither here nor there. Uh, so it's always good to be grateful and kind of kind of reflect. And uh, you know, it was funny. Uh, just, just I won't I won't go down too far here, but. Uh, Old Dan Tom was uh, was chasing tails. How I ended up in New York. Uh, by the way, word to the wise: I don't have very much relationship advice I can give. 
Um, thankfully, y'all haven't asked for it, for any. I think I actually did see some emails, which maybe we'll get to later here. Uh, y'all, y'all have actually taken advantage of the uh, email account and, and and tested me as far as uh, bringing stuff up here on the show. So hopefully, I'll dust that off later on if we have time. But uh, but yeah, don't go don't go chasing tail if you especially when you're when you're still still young as far as like don't go moving for somebody because uh, you know it's funny because uh, and this is this is gonna tie back in here so bear bear with me. Uh, young Dan Tom was was running accounting here for one of the Whole Foods stores. It was my job. I do that in the mornings and I would I would coach uh, you know uh, kids classes and the general adult classes at Extreme Couture Grappling at night. It was real nice, just perfect. Couldn't ask for more in my twenties. Shit. That's that's uh, overachieving in my book, and I had low you know standards, but hey, you know that uh, not talking about the extreme tour as far as other jobs and stuff. I was just happy to have a steady job, all that all that, all that good stuff. But a uh, girl I was dating at the time, long story short, was in the modeling uh, industry, not a model. She moved on more in the the marketing side of that, and that that's all has you know New York is the scene for that. So rightfully so, she had to go there, just like you know me working for this would have to be you know. It's a lot easier we're living in Vegas than I work in the fight game. But neither here nor there because I didn't, I didn't work in the fight game then. And, uh, I, you know, I fought it. We tried the long-distance relationship. would just go down to New York, you know, for, for weekend, weekends uh, for a couple of years. And then just like, yeah, I said, fuck it, let's give this a shot. And moved down there. I had to step down in job, um, you know, find a new gym. I was really surprised at the, the prices at Marcello's and, and, and uh, you know, I... I Stopped, uh, you know, couldn't train as much in general moving there, and then stopped training altogether at a certain point because uh, it just was too expensive to train. I mean, I, I luckily I made some friends by that time, uh, you know, through just you know going uh, going to Marcelo's, and a lot of guys would be in the same predicament, so there'd be a lot of like uh, meetups. There'd always be some dude with like an apartment where he would dedicate one room with like laying out the mats, and we, you know. We'd, <laughs> I think the term they used out there was gym jumping, and it was we weren't going to actual gyms, but we were just kind of making makeshift gyms, and you just wanted to get your roles in because it's it's hard. You got to make do in a city. Uh, this is different than you know living in uh, <clears throat> like a, like a softies out here in the West Coast where everything's so damn convenient. You have air conditioning and cars and convenience. It's not really like that in the city. You got to get what you can, and it's going to cost you more um, and be more of a hassle usually. Anyways, uh, and it was funny because I, I remember just thinking. And, uh, you know, these ideas would kind of, you know, bounce off the wall and kind of come back at me because they were kind of just my own ideas. But I was like, hey, man, what would it be like? I wonder if I could just be like an analyst or like some kind of, you know, radio show or some kind of, you know, just intern, just work for free and work my way up. What could I do? And just blind, stupid, you know, five old goes west, whatever. I don't know why I referenced that, but just like really just like, you know, innocent, naive, naivete thoughts. And nothing ever came of it, of course. It just, I'll save you the story. Things went downhill for Dan Tom. Uh, relationship didn't work out. Ended up uh, moving back back here to Vegas in my 30s and being independent, living about my whole 20s. Found myself, you know, back at home for the first time since my teenage years. You know, uh, just very, you know, having to get back on your feet and going through that process again. And it was rough. It took a couple years, man. Not going to lie. It took a couple years. Only outlet this whole time through this whole ride was, was just MMA being a fan and uh it took being at certain lows uh, again going to spare you the spare you the details in stories you know to, to, to tie it all in here and to to kind of realize find a way find something to hold on to what am i passionate about oh, what is the one thing that stayed true through all the crazy ups and downs through jobs careers relationships friendships living 
scenarios, all that stuff, and 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 it, it was MMA, and it wasn't by accident, you know. Well, you know, uh, uh, kind of a crazy road. It's not not a, a normal road, but really, when you think about it, you go ask any of the writers or all these people working in the MMA space, what was your any podcasters, whatever, what's your road? None of them are normal, man. There's no there's no book on this. There's no degree. You know, a lot of people um, message me and ask, you know, which I appreciate. Thank you for even, you know, the, the fact that you even think my opinion is valuable. I don't think my opinion is that valuable, but I'll give it to you. And I appreciate you reaching out again. But it's funny. Uh, a lot of people ask, oh, what, what's advice to do to, to work in the media or to, you know, be an analyst? And it's, it's so hard, man, because it's like, you know, like, is it who you know? Well, yeah, that is part of it. Is it luck? Well, yeah, that's part of it. Um, but you know, it's also fucking a lot, a lot of hard work, you know, again, not to harp, not to complain because this is about being grateful and I'm going to move on here. We'll get to the breakdown, uh, hopefully before the 12 minute mark or at nine forty-five or 10 minutes or so, something right now, now depending. But, um, but you know, it, it's, 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 it's tough, you know, I mean, I was, you know, just a little kid before the internet cut waiting for the newspaper man. So I could uh, highlight the games that were going to come out that week in the TV guide. And then I wait for the newspaper man in the subsequent days after the games to cut out the stats to compare to the notes that I was taking during said games. Um, you know, and it, it's, it's, you know, that's not normal. Kids don't fucking do that. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, I mean, I don't know how to you know, force that onto somebody. I don't know, I don't know, you know, people's, you know, different passions, but the point is, I guess, is it, it takes so many, so many different things and it, it takes all of it. The answer is kind of all of the above. There is really no one answer and because there is no one path. There, there really isn't. There really isn't. So, um, props to the, so again, that's why I just kind of, it's good to reflect for me. Reflecting was, you know, Hey man, you, you know, you, <laughs> working, you know, crazy hour weeks, you know, 70, 80 hour weeks, no exaggeration is, is it, you know, can be rough. I can feel it. I'm not going to lie. But at the same time, I'm grateful as shit for it, man. And, uh, and then I look at other people that are hustling, like, like, like fucking James Lynn. Shout out to my man, James Lynn's over there. Seems like he's always uh, getting a new gig and he deservedly so, man. The guy works his ass off and there's plenty of guys like that. I'm just throwing James Lynch's name off the top of my head and, uh, it, it it's it, it's a grind. It's a lot of hard work, man. But but I'm grateful as shit, and uh, and and I'm very inspired seeing the people around me. And tying it back to this New York card, it's just funny, you know. For me personally, I just think back to that being just a dope kind of uh, giving up what little options I had at the time, not realizing what hole I would dig myself in. But there were seeds that were planted there that were important. And hopefully one day, I, I still have never been to the Garden, believe it or not. And I loved it because as a Chicago Bulls fan growing up, uh, can I tease the sports thing earlier just now? Um, but uh, I, there was a, you know, Eastern Conference rivalry, if we will, uh, with the Pat Riley and the Knicks. You know, the Knicks still had Ewing, Starks, you know, uh, whatnot. And uh, some great games. And, you know, so I just learning the importance of the Garden you know, uh, from a young age and then boxing, being in a boxing and then going back because I was in a boxing watching, you know, uh, Tyson's return and stuff. I'm like, I want to go back and see what happened before that. And then of course coming out of the garden that way. So sorry for the whole nostalgia tie-in and stuff, but yeah, I, I, uh, I figured it'd be a, a, a different, uh, more positive and just good reminder. Maybe just, 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 just everything to reflect, but it's UFC 217 at the garden, man. This is, you know, people want to compare it to UFC 205 as far as card strength and whatnot. But but 
let's be honest, man. 2017 has been weak and it's funny. Not according to Dana White, if you look at a tweet by my man over there, uh, Mike Bond, uh, I think at Mike Bond MMA might be his handle, but you, you all know who Mike Bond is on Twitter. And uh, it's funny, he quoted Dana White saying something about how it's been like such a great fiscal year or some shit, uh, which is not true by the numbers and by what I'm talking about here as far as stat cards go. So by those standards, hey man, let's. I, I like to put on the criticism hat just as much as the next guy, probably too much to be honest, but... Uh, UFC 217, and, you know, and obviously we've got some good stuff coming up before the year's ends out. I, I've, I've forgotten about that, but compared to what we've been getting, guys and gals, um, this is a good card, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited to unpack it. Um, we are coming off of UFC Sao Paulo, which I'm not going to. Don't worry, there's not going to be like an in-depth recap. I just, I have to have some. Gonna go through the numbers here real quick. We went eight and four in picks, uh, two and zero oh in parlay pieces. Was saved my butt. Uh, one and one in straight plays. Thankfully, the one that hit was uh, Jared Gordon, which I also attached to an extra parlay, so that saved my butt. But yeah, one and two in props, not that great. But hey, those are the props. Those, are, uh, <laughs> those usually don't do too uh, <laughs> don't do too great. So I kind of went light on a lot of the uh, lot a lot this week. One justifiably so. I mean, it's just kind of a tight week. We'll get to them and we'll unpack them as we go, of course, from bottom to top. UFC two seventeen, but um, but just you know, justifiably so. But but also, you know, just trying to reinforce the balance. Um, I, I I try to check myself, anyways. Obviously, it's something I I take serious. Given these plays, I'm not just doing it willy nilly. But at the same time. It's funny, it went from a passion, just like the whole story I kicked off the show with, to now a job. Uh, you know, um, I still treated it like a job when it was uh, being run through MixedMartialAnalyst.com. You know, but at the same time, I own and run MixedMartialAnalyst.com. It's kind of your own boss there, right? Now through MMA Junkie, uh, which is great, obviously, but um, uh, they love, the reason why they brought me on, they love, they love the format, which is also the reason why they kept the format, which is awesome. And, and I appreciate, uh, and it seems like uh, my readership, all seven of you, <laughs> appreciate it too. So, um, but but yeah, uh, as you know, there's the section there, the betting section, which, you know, this podcast obviously is in reference to a lot of the times. Uh, it almost feels like you have to put something there, which is dangerous, right? Because a lot of times, it's like, especially with the parlay pieces, like, there's, there's, there's cards where I really don't want to put anything on there. But if I had to give something, and again, I do always play these things myself because I am a degenerate and I put my money where my mouth is, both check, check. But still, you know, um, I'll put something there. But, you know, I'll be being honest, yeah, and I've, I've, this is no secret. I've told you all before if you listen to this podcast, you know, sometimes I, I almost don't want to recommend anything. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's not a lot of value with what I recommended, which we'll get to here in a second, uh, for UFC 217. But I, I do feel comfortable in these. But just, just uh, kind of thinking out loud here. Um, that there, 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 there's multiple reasons. M most often, importantly, the legitimate reasons analysis as to why there's limited picks. Because as you know, for better or worse, betting is different than picking. But oftentimes, your boy Dan Tom sticks to his analysis because that's my angle. That's my gig. That's kind of what this shows. This show is about. And to be honest, as much people better at the betting stuff than I am. So, so shouts to them. But. Um, yeah, let, 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 let's move forward. Uh, that was the, the UFC Sao Paulo recap. You like how fast that recap is? I'm trying to get to it. I'm trying to get to it. Um, there's some other stuff on here, but that might just lead to another tangent. And it's about Halloween movies and choices uh, like that. 
Hope you all had a good Halloween, though, by the way. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and skip that. If that, you know, as anything crosses path for whatever reason with the breakdown, because, you know, Dan Tom, if, 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 why would movie references fit into the fit, fit into an MMA breakdown? Well, you haven't listened to this podcast before. So, <laughs> you know, if, if it becomes, you know, uh, apropos once again to abuse that word like a fucking pinata, um, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll get into that. But honestly, I want to get to the breakdown. So... As I pull up lines, uh, referencing lines on five dimes until you know, somebody else wants to pay me to use somewhere else. <laughs> Let's continue to use them because my Bovada account shut down and five dimes for, thank goodness, is friendly with the Bitcoin. So, you know, Dan Tom uh, does not hate on the Bitcoin. So, ja, meet us all. All right, pulling those up. And right next to it, amongst the million tabs I have, is the UFC 217. We're going to start with the early prelims on the fight pass. We have Amin Zahabi versus Ricardo Ramos. Or Ricardo Ramos, as you say. Um, this one is on the avoid list just because it, it, it it's close like the line suggests. Uh, probably a little closer than the line suggests, to be honest. Uh, I'm not sure if there was some flippage here. I don't have the opening odds in front of me. Uh, Zahabi may well have opened as the favorite. You know, he's a bigger name guy. You know, the odds makers like undefeated guys. But there was a lot of hype, and deservedly so hype, uh, on Ramos. Um, Ramos fought more impressive competition outside of the UFC, but both are equal in their UFC experience and the fact that they both have three rounds under their belt and a debut behind them. So I'm expecting to see a better version. Uh, how much better of a version will it be? Because they both have not are just fighting in the UFC now as opposed to what we saw in the regional scene. But they're both fighting quality guys. This is one of those things where, you know, you see two quality guys meet early. Uh, I mean, there might be better examples, but a, a Jimmy Rivera, Pe- Pedro Munoz is one of those fights that come to mind. Like, it didn't matter who was going to win that fight. It was just it was just as close as we all imagined and as the lines reflected going in. Um, but... You just knew that, like these guys, doesn't matter who win, they 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 could still end up fighting for the title. Each of them, they're probably gonna meet again, so on, so forth, etc. Uh, I feel the way the same way here, which is kind of crazy because this there's even a smaller sample size to make that judgment on uh, when we're talking about Zahabi and Ramos. Um, I I wanted to pick Zahabi coming in because I, I I'm real high on Zahabi. Uh, I honestly didn't. I, I I was aware that you know Frost had a, a younger brother that you know was being groomed and talked about and was competing with the clips or highlights here and there, but really didn't follow it until I kind of had to, obviously for his uh, his UFC debut. And um, and my my thoughts echo from my notes from the last time. You know, uh, as far as his game, uh, it's almost just like you know, if Frost a hobby, you know, you talk about stereotypes of certain gyms. And uh, I've talked about it before for for TriStar. You know, you have ring generalship, a good jab fundamentals, and a takedown game, uh, a serviceable takedown game. That is like the TriStar prototype, in my opinion, that is. Um, and um, Zahabi is that. And you look at his background, and it's almost like he was groomed for it because he has the boxing experience, the Muay Thai experience, the grappling experience, the wrestling experience. And, uh, and yeah, he keeps a really nice, well-balanced stance, uh, keeps his feet underneath him, throws his jab well, follows the right hand when appropriate, can counter, can come forward, knows when to put the volume on, um, 
you could argue he could do more so. You know, there's still some, you still got, you know, it, it's hard in his debut, um, tough fight. Um, you can't fault a guy or start throwing around gassing accusations, although both these guys are pretty sizable. Uh, for Bantamweight, not just sizable, but they're young, so which means they could be growing out of this frame. So you kind of have to watch for the diminishing return points. Some guys don't hit it; they get it under control. Uh, sometimes you have to watch for it, you know, uh, just 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 because it, it, it's natural and it's it's it, this is where the the problems like that happen. As far as you know, missed weight. Not that these guys are suspect of that, uh, but again, kind of all all related under that same umbrella tree as far as far as intangibles there. But either way, I expect both these guys to have a good fight, a close fight. Um, you know, if you, if you like if you like Zahabi to win, just playing him straight up is good. If you like Ramos, uh, you know uh, it's been bet down a bit, but you know the submission prop by the way is being recorded Thursday night, uh, November second. You know, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's gotten bet down a bit, but uh, but yeah. By the way, uh, Zahabi plus one sixty minus one eighty five Ramos. All right, next fight: uh, Eon Cute Lava versus Michelle Oleksijuk. I forget. I had it down. I was I was listening to it uh, fucking yesterday. The the damn Polish announcer say it just to make sure you get. It. You also got to listen to the actual Polish guy say it to make sure. You're getting it right, but uh, yeah, it's like Alexi Juck or some shit. Anyways, um, yeah, plus four twenty-five uh, for Alexi Juck and a cute Lava minus five fifty. Um, you still get plus money on 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 the round props if you're really confident in cute Lava here, and I am. Uh, price was too high to make it a, a parlay piece, but. Cute Lob has been checked, but he hasn't been checked in the way that's going to make him stop fighting the way he stops. One, he just has that crazy guy commitment like to no other and a chin to support it. So there's that. That's going to take him for a while. Supported by youth, that'll yeah, that'll probably take him for a minute until you know he gets to the you know real crushers of the division, which are at the very top. There's a, obviously there's a big gap, no middle class, not a big middle class there at light heavyweight. But when you look at uh. Alexi Juk there, he uh, is a southpaw, you know, and Cannoneer did well as a southpaw against Cute Laba, and you, you want to think maybe there's a path there, Alexi Juk, you know, he's a smaller light heavyweight, which is probably not the best thing in this matchup, but it's good in the fact, okay, maybe you, know, you got some speed, he's got some in and out movement there, but man, his movement is kind of slow and kind of choppy, his defense isn't great, you know, victory and defeat, he's like, he's collecting black eyes, Alexi Juk is. Um, you know, and he's, he's, he's throwing those naked, those open uppercuts from the, the open stance there, a southpaw to orthodox, and, and, and that's why he's taking a lot of these shots. When he's throwing it straighter as a cross, like he did in his most recent fight, he's getting a lot more uh, bang for his buck there. Um, seems like a more of a slow burn type fella, but it's just, it's tough, man. Like, I just look at his hand positioning. Like, he doesn't really come from base. He's a guy that like, sounds like from... You know, um, the bio to the social media to articles, just this guy just kind of picked it up, got passionate for it. Still has to travel uh, to different places in Poland to get his training, which sucks for him. And uh, but, but he is able to train with guys like Tybura, apparently, and whatnot. But even you know, we're seeing those guys now make it more to the States now. So how much time is he getting with these guys? But, you know, hey, Poland's got an underrated scene. But it's just it's never good when you have to hear about the guy having to, you know, drive a whole... 
you know, shit ton of places just to get training in. Um, and what I was getting to with the stand-up, it reminds me of like, this, like, uh, almost like a Paige Van Zant and Victor fight, in, uh, you know, in the sense of like, old, old boxing coach Ron Frazier used to tell, uh, <laughs> used to tell me and anybody, anybody who, if they're, if they're, if they're, Guard started getting out of whack, and you started almost swinging with it like you're dancing. Like he's like, "Come on, what are, we, what are we Saturday night dancing at the club? You can get punched that way." Um, and would be real quick to you know kind of correct guys on that. And um, he'd be saying, he'd be screaming that if he saw the, the way uh, the way uh, Alexi Juck can kind of start swaying his arms and 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 shit like because <laughs> it's natural, right? I mean. You you want to you want to kind of have you don't want to move straight forward straight backwards straight to the side so much you want to kind of move at angles especially you're going to be moving at more side lateral forty five angles when you're a southpaw um, because you're always having to hit those angles to make sure you have the advantages of southpaw. But when your feet <laughs> your your footwork starts swaying a certain way, our hands have a certain our hands have a certain habit to to uh, to sway. You know. Our, uh, our hands have its own subconscious as uh, Ricky Lindell, who beautifully was breaking down the uh, mighty uh, mighty armbar, whizbar, whatever the fuck he calls it, uh, that Demetrius Johnson does, that when you take someone off balance, what do their arms do? Their arms immediately go out. And, um, and yeah, uh, you just kind of see uh, Alexi Juk not having a lot of control of his arms, and I think that's going to allow him to get punched in the face. A long, roundabout way to say that. So, yeah, I've got an Omelagic... Or not Omelagic... <laughs> Cute lava there. Um, I, the Polish guy, like many Polish dudes, are freaking tough. So I actually sprinkled. I think you still get plus money. I think it's like plus in the 100 or whatever. But I sprinkled a plus 475. Like when I say sprinkle, by the way, don't get crazy and go, oh, damn, Tom, but I'm going to go fucking put the house on it. Like, because I'm putting like fucking like $3 on it when I say like sprinkle or some shit, you know? Like something just for fun, like just degenerate stuff. And that's what this is. Um, because again, in the inside, the distance is like. I think minus like 257 or some shit. It's like ridiculous. Not ridiculous for Degenerate Dan to maybe have put in one of his parlays, but uh, but yeah, as far as playing anything straight up, it's it's tough. It's pretty loaded as far as cute lava for the angles, um, which I'm, I'm scrolling down very slowly here. This makes for a great podcast, Dan. Uh, yeah, two, minus 257. Round one, cute lava minus two fifty. You're not even getting plus for that. Uh, cute lava round two. Wow, that's up to plus six twenty five though. I got it for plus four seventy five when I sprinkled. That's that's funny. Uh, yeah, be careful trying to um, buy into that fight there. All right, next fight on the docket. We're still in the fight pass portion. Headline of the fight pass portion. It's Alexi Olenek versus Curtis Blades. This was actually. Um, on my avoid list and was took it off last minute for a fight that's on the main card, which we'll get to in a second, which says a lot because usually if it's on the main card, it has a summary to speak for itself. So usually I try to keep the avoid list open for, you know, uh, to better help you get a picture of my feels for the prelims because I don't, I don't do the in-depths on those. Um, and let's be honest, most of these, most of this shit should be on your avoid list. Anyways, uh, blades versus uh, only almost, made it on there which is crazy because you know you come in even when you see a minus 300 line which is suspect for any heavyweight fight you're like oh i could, I could get behind it because I was, i'm the guy who picked blades over in gun and i have high hopes for this guy but like many were turned off by his fight with omi Alanchik. you know that fight happened and i was actually one who kind of expected that um uh 
I don't remember my exact words, but I do remember being one to, you know, though picking Blades was preaching caution because I know Milanchik's game, and if there's one good thing you can say about the guy's game, I don't even know if it's a good thing, but if there's one thing that you can, you know, I can, I can confidently say at least, is that he's good at styming up fights and other guys' games, just styming up the whole fucking contest. And I think we can, most of us can all agree on that, right? And sure enough, that's kind of what happened. Um, you saw a lot of second guessing, or it wasn't completing takedowns like you thought he would, so on, so forth, etc. And Olenek, he's really choppy. Will lean his head forward down like he's just asking to eat a knee or an uppercut, but it's a, but he's willing to take a damage and 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 create exchanges and to try to capitalize on those. And you know, even as ugly as they look, we saw it work as early as Jared Rochelle. And um, if anything, it just makes the fight awkward. And if you can't get past that styming stage, you gas yourself out. Or you can start to doubt yourself, wear yourself out, uh, and just make mistakes. You know, we saw, we saw that kind of. Oh Jesus, oh, God, that's right. As you know, listeners expecting a podcast. It's probably my dog farting if Dan's stopping, going, Ah, Jesus. He's fucking dropping bombs on me. We saw that in Alexi Olenek's last fight with uh, Travis Brown. Kind of that whole life cycle play out there. We saw all the levels play out, right? And, uh, and yeah, so, I mean, that could very well happen here. If anything, I, I think it's uh, justifiably show, so uh, Olenek uh, will probably scare off uh, Blades, or Blades will should be, I should say, will be scared off by Olenek's submission threats, justifiably so. So there's not going to be a lot of takedowns here, which is why I left Curtis Blades out of... Um, DraftKings, uh, which by the way I gotta, I'm always bad. I'm always forgetting to 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 to, to cover those as we go along here. <laughs> um, but uh, oh yeah, uh, is a hobby by the way, which is probably like, the weakest pick on DraftKings. But it was, I guess I got in that position where he was uh, the guy that was at the end where he, I was having trouble kind of fitting. Okay, who who am I gonna pick here? And just because you have the money doesn't mean you should go high. Uh, although I, that's kind of what it looked like by picking him. But it, when I was thinking about it strategically, as far as somebody who, if you're gonna pick, if you're gonna pick a an underdog and b an underdog who you're not siding with, you want to at least get somebody who's gonna be competitive, have skills, gonna put you know, uh, which he is. Check check. Um, does he put strike volume out there? He does with his jab. Check. Um, uh, Takedowns. Uh, he hasn't. You know, uh, showed it as much recently, but it is a part of his game and it's part of his base. Um, check. Ramos is so comfortable off his back as he should be. He could finish the hobby, but he will give takedowns for that reason too. Although he'll also get up from them, but still, his get up ability may allow to even more takedowns. Which, if it's a close fight, you know, as a hobby is trained and his brother will be in his ear telling him to get those takedowns. So again. Um, He's a live dog, and whether in victory or defeat, he's going to get takedowns. And that's kind of, especially with the new DraftKings scoring, um, kind of my take in logic and how, uh, you know, uh, I'll go about not all but some and at least holding a strong basis deciding for which picks I'm going to choose for my roster selection. And, you know, I imagine especially, you know, whether you're doing, you know, you know, one-on-one big games, uh, tournament games, uh, cash games as they call them, all these different variations of games. Um, sometimes, you know, I imagine, especially with the bigger games, I would imagine more so. Uh, having that, his- that hipster-esque, ill-represented pick may uh, may pay off in certain instances. And in that sense, that that's kind of what Zahabi represents there. 
uh, Ion Cute Lava, well worth a pick, but you're going to have to pay for him. He was one of the ones where I kind of had to say I would love him, but I had to say no. And yes, uh, no to Blades, even though he is the pick here. No to any plays except this almost made it. This was uh, the one that made almost. It's funny. Blades Olenek were like both scratched off the avoid list and props list at one point um, before publishing my breakdown on MMAJunkie.com, which is the breakdown I reference for these breakdowns here in the Protect Your Neck podcast. Um, which, by the way, uh, hint, hint, I'll give you guys a heads up here, uh, a little little peek behind the curtain, some behind-the-scenes conversations. Uh, Thursday has been a usual day for, for drop and breakdowns for me, even dating into the Mixed Martial Analyst days. Doing so on MMA Junkie with the new cycle doesn't really notice. I mean, I, I myself uh, turned in either the night before or we the morning of th- Thursday. Kind of a peek behind the curtain there. But uh, with the new cycle and whatnot, you know, you can't get it buried. So it probably doesn't come out to like probably like Thursday afternoon or evening, depending if you're like what time zone you're at, right? East Coast, Europe, etc. Um, so, in, in, you know, in order to kind of, you know, things we're talking about, not to get too specific here. Uh, you know, um, but for, you know, uh, let's just say covering all the bases, making all sides happy. And those are always the best kind of actions, deals, however you want to call it, that make everybody happy. Um, but most importantly, I, I'm, I, I'm hoping it'll, uh, you know, satiate you guys, uh, the viewers, because at the end of the day, whether it's, it's a big outlet like Junkie or Schmoes like myself, without, without y'all, um, yeah, none, none of this exists, y'all. So, um, to satiate it, I'm kind of thinking about spreading out the content, not to give you the specifics here, but essentially the main, the focal point, the, the filet, the filet of the card, a little squid in the whale reference there. Um, the filet of the card, maybe give you the, the, my breakdown, my pick, my in-depth on that maybe earlier, maybe the, the nice side, the appetizer, maybe that may follow still earlier in the week, but after that, you know, if you're feeling me here. And on Thursday, the day you're still accustomed to the breakdown with my picks, maybe that might still come out on Thursday. And these are, again, these are just me. I'm speaking very vaguely here. And the only thing that may come out later, which is technically uh, or, you know, or calendar-wise a day, but technically you know, only half a day, 12 hours later, maybe like a Friday morning kind of release thing would be the betting plays and having its own article for that. So anyways, things worth throwing around. I don't want to give you too many details, but I do. I I keep it real with y'all here. Uh, that's one thing I do do. And again, I also encourage to 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 to, to speak with your dollars. I again, I for one am guilty of complaining more than I fucking should. Okay, we've covered this. But one thing I do also say is that what we should do, including myself, is we should get behind what we do like. Not that there's anything wrong with saying, especially constructively. There's definitely nothing wrong constructively saying with what you don't like with something. Please, by all means. But if there's something you do like, then say it, you know, if, if you don't like, uh, you know, this type of articles or this or that. And I see a lot of that directed at all the outlets, uh, including, you know, including, you know, including the one I work for. We're not above it. We all get hit with the same with the same pish posh and, and all that stuff. But, and, but, but what I'm saying is not that you can't have your right to those opinions. You have your right to those opinions. But but if you like things, whether it's, you know, uh, a feature piece on a fighter. I really enjoy Fernando Pratchett's, you know, she's a lot of, his, you know, peeling back the curtain for uh, us non-Portuguese speakers, us non-Brazilian residents on, on the lives of some of these fighters or, you know, the, the things like that. Or if you like my breakdowns, of course, yes, yes, shameless plug, yes, yes. If if you like that in-depth content and want to see more of that, 
let them know. You know the, you know tag, tag, uh, tag the writer, tag the outlet, whoever you're trying to let know, and let them know. Um, a, you're just paying it forward. That's good vibes. That's good juju. You know, you're, you're probably, you know, you're probably making that person's day. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I, I, if I, if I sound like I'm puffing my chest ever, it's because it's just. You know the self promotion that has to come with it. That is kind of my gig as picks. I kind of have to. I kind of have to talk about those. Um, so believe me, the way I'm wired, it's. It, it, I still struggle with it. I try to get better at it. But but if if I come off a certain way, believe me, it's not my intention. Um, where the fuck was I going with that? Jesus, Jesus, Dan. This is why you don't get hit in the head, people. This is why you don't get hit in the head. But oh yeah, but yeah, just 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 let them know if you if you like that stuff is what I'm what I'm trying to say and oh yeah as far as the game plan kind of going forward we're thinking about spreading out content so you know those of you who have the direct line the DM or whatever not actually don't don't DM, don't fill my DMs I get enough DMs but uh you know if we're in, ca- we're in casual conversation we're we're in the same Facebook chats or we we're, we're, we're pals on Twitter and you feel like sharing an opinion Fire, fire it my way, if that sounds better. If you would like spaced out content, getting content a little earlier, you'd still get the breakdowns the same day, but kind of, kind of how I laid out. Anyways, back onto the breakdown, and on to FS1 for what do we, what do we call this fight? The Dana White looking for a fuck. I mean, whoa, Dan, whoa, whoa. The Dana White looking for a fight title. Uh. Title eliminator, title title fight. I don't know what the fuck you want. We have Randy Brown versus Mickey Gall, which, by the way, I, it feels like I'm. It feels like I'm. Uh, I'm. 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 I'm so busy that because I look at my Twitter timeline and I'm like, man, I don't even tweet as much. I'm not. You know, if, if I do go on Twitter, I'm just looking to see if fights get canceled and then trying to avoid spoilers for whatever hot TV show is out. Uh, <laughs> but I also, of course, I see the chatter. I see the chatter of MMA betting Twitter. I, I I I see I, I see what the homies, the savages, the the uh, the delinquents, the degenerates, all alike. Uh, you know, I, 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 the back and forth, and um, maybe not everything, but you know, some threads get longer than than others because some some fights just spark interest more than others. And I was really surprised to see a lot of talk about this fight. A lot of people heavy on one side or the other, and. Maybe that it makes sense because you know the reason why I'm, I'm light on the parlays. Uh, you know, people ask me, "Hey, Dan, what's your parlays this week? Any early insight?" I'm like, dude, uh, I can tell you this: um, it's gonna be real light. Because that's the thing: we like stack cards, but the bad thing is stack cards can be the worst for parlays because you essentially find yourself betting against really good fighters, and I am doing that. We'll get to that soon. We'll definitely get to that in the main card. But that is, in turn, kind of the, in theory, you know, fights aren't fought on paper, but that's the kind of on-paper principle you're working against there, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, and uh, so, you know, my first spidey sense was a void, but I wanted to give it its fair due. Um, and, and, but to be honest, I, I, ended up, I ended up feeling the same way after running it through the old analysis comb there. Uh, I still feel like it's a void material, you know? Um, I, I I like uh, I liked Gall initially, who I don't know if he opened as a favorite, but he's been sitting at a favorite for a minute. Uh, Randy Brown was at a dog at one time, which we'll get to in one second. Um, but he, 
you know, if anything, has been more of the dog roll. As far as the betting lines, you know, apropos to fight week. Um, beating the pinata, beating that word. All right, um, but, <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, you, you maybe I just had the Michael Graves fight stuck in my head. Maybe I had the needless opportunistic going to your back stuff against uh, Montano uh, that Randy Brown was doing that it paid off. But I was like, nah, you made that fight a lot closer than it needed to be. Because if you remember, Randy Brown was one of the bigger favorites. And that's only half of what is already a small sample size he only had established in the UFC at the time, you know? He's one of the bigger favorites in that card. But um, I think that's like a good gunfight of a card, too. I think that was like Poirier Johnson. Anyways, but, um, you know, so I kind of had that burnt into my head. And it can be hard, like, because he does have a lot of potential. And no, I'm not saying that because he's a brother, okay? A lot of the, <laughs> I'm being honest here. It feels like there's a lot of that kind of... and. God forbid you can't use the word racism, and, and it's good because it's used way fucking too much these days. But um, uh, and I don't think that's the right word here. But there's that <laughs> I don't know what it's called, but uh, you know, say what you will about Tyron Woodley, but he brought light to something that I've been fucking saying since the '90s. Like explosive. Well, why are we tying you know uh, black people to explosive? You know, and, and as far as sports broadcasters, I'm like, why is that guy got to be explosive? Like you know, like you never hear him say like an Asian guy's explosive. Oh, guy, fucking that guy's ex- Jeremyland's explosive. Like, they're never going to say that. Like, I wouldn't mind. Hey, throw us a fucking explosive bone once in a while. Huh? Come on. Eh. Anyways, neither here nor there. Don't start that. Don't, don't, yeah, don't let me go, go down that round. We already had a big talk about Asian athletes and racism. <laughs> and Mid Junkie Radio was a good talk, actually. Uh, encourage you to go listen to it uh, on iTunes. You can go download free. Um, but yeah, neither here nor there. Uh, Randy Brown, cutting through. That's what it was. Cutting through, cutting through, you know, uh, sifting through. What's there and what's not. Um, and initially, I thought there was a lot with the boxing and the striking. And there's still things that, you know, I was hoping would, you know, would already be fixed, you know, as far as, you know, not being too much on the toes on flicking the jab out there and trying to sit, you know, sit down more, which, you know, when you have those tall frames, sitting down on punches, defending takedowns, uh, protecting your hips, these things can inherently be hard, which is why when guys are like, with that frame like a John Jones can wrestle and can, you know, still put together at least fight changing power, if not knockout power, those guys are obviously dangerous. Um, Randy Brown, a lot of, you know, obvious visual comparisons there, but I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't think he's going to be the John Jones level, obviously John Jones, special kind of guy, but, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know where his ceiling is at. Do I think it's higher than Mickey Gall's? Yes. Yeah, I do. Uh, that's why the pick here is, is Randy Brown. You know, he's shown more, um, it, but it's tricky. You know, what he has shown can play in a Mickey Gall's game. And Mickey Gall, I will say this, granted the sample size is skewed because you've got, you know, the re- the reactive shot against CM Punk. But his other takedowns, um, you know, in the Sage Northcutt fight, whether it's outside of Reap or, you know, offensive, uh, you know, offensive shot, he he's... There's not a lot to judge, so it really forces, you know, uh, it doesn't give a lot of people uh, a lot to go off of, which is which is fine, which is why, you know, this is this fight is on my avoid list, right? But at the same time, and it's, this doesn't mean it's right, this doesn't mean, uh, you know, my opinion's better or anything like that, but when you do have a limited sample size, I do feel it comes in handy when you 
have the experience of A, grappling you know, yourself, and B, just watching stupid amounts of footage on it, there are little tells that tell me, I'm like, this guy's fucking really good. This guy, or you know, not really good, but much better than one might initially think. I think that's fair, right? If you look at Mickey Gall on paper, because there's not a lot to look at on paper. Um, and as you know, as far as his grappling, and it feels like there's less now, uh, grappling footage. Like now it just feels like all there is is the Gordon Ryan. But I feel like I saw more back in the day, which, which always happens. I talk about all the time, fighters. They all, the, the, the footage goes away, goes away, goes away, till they either become really big and or retire, and then all the footage all of a sudden pops back up on the internet again. Um, but yeah, Gall, Gall's a really good grappler, man. He could definitely, I could see him taking Brown down and submitting him. And I really wanted to pick that. That was my initial fill here. That was the pick. There is a path to that. But the problem is the striking. Well, there's a lot to be desired. Not only is there a lot to be desired, I think he knew that. That's why, you know, I think that's part of the reason, at least for the break, why we haven't seen him since December. Mickey Gall, that is. And he's at the age where he's going to fight to fight improve, and he has shown fight to fight improvements. Again, very limited sample size in more ways than one. But yeah, he's showing the fight to fight improvements he should. So I expect him to have a be- a better, hopefully a much better striking game. But is it going to be? Um, but I. But if he had a much better striking game, I that would probably, in my opinion, put him. And this is being generous, near equal to Randy Brown's striking game. And that's being super generous, right? But where's Randy Brown's striking game? Because he, too, is not only at the age where he's going to make fight-to-fight improvements, but he shows fight-to-fight improvements. So when doing that factor, I'm going to go with the more well-rounded, the more experienced, the more proven guy. Uh, that's Randy Brown. Um, that is on the avoid list, although I'll be honest. Even though, um, you know... I don't want to say I wanted to, but maybe I appear to be hard staunched on avoid, stay away. I'll be honest. I sprinkled, and then again, a sprinkle here is like fucking three bucks, ladies and gentlemen. When I saw Randy Brown go to the plus one hundred earlier in this this week, I I uh, I took a I took a little sprinkle there. But he is the pick. Um, yeah, uh, no fantasy, no props, no. None of that, but uh, but yeah, you could say he's a he's a he's a quiet sprinkle straight play, and you got that by listening to the podcast because there's only one straight play, which we'll get to later on in the card for this card. Next fight in the prelims, Corey Anderson, who was originally supposed to face Patrick Cummings, who pull out from staff, in steps OSP off of his Von Prue choke over Yushin Okami. Uh, didn't take damage in that fight, obviously. So he's healthy. He's coming in. I don't think the short notice is that much of an intangible. St. Prue is probably one of those dudes who probably does better short notice and then does worse when like a guy comes in short notice on him, like was the case with uh, Uzdemir, I believe, was. Um, maybe I'm wrong there, but either way, I, 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 I do stand by that dynamic that I feel <laughs> would hold true to OSP. So I not only ironically feel that... Uh, OSP is the pick, by the way. Not, not only do I ironically feel that that would be... Uh, not bad, but you know, it might, you know, we might actually see the better version of OSP. That's the thing you can't really depend on him, though. Uh, this was on the doorstep of being in an avoid. It is not, um, but it was also not a straight play either. It's not, again, this is this is in the middle, more toward the avoid side, if anything. But I, I, I do pick OSP. We, you know, um, this seems like the, the fight where you know, 
Corey Anderson just seems, you know, we've seen it before with the, the Giambiante fights and fights that were competitive and or winning and then just making it closer than it needs to be, you know, and you, know, you make the argument he won against Shogun, but even if you, there's a good case of him winning against Shogun, he still made that fight closer than it needed to be, arguably. And even though, you know, we want to paint with this brush that, oh, he's super athletic, so much potential, you know, I don't, you know... Anderson can still be a little choppy to me, a little bit robotic in his striking, and in certain uh, instances and combos, and I think that's why he's getting clipped a lot. That and the high-volume approach is going to get you clipped, and if you're doing it at a heavier weight class, you can get clipped by heavier-hitting dudes. I mean, that's it's a pretty simple math there. So it always makes me scared without seeing the technical progressions, without seeing the smooth snap and kind of preternatural pinpoint accuracy of execution in moves that I like to see in guys, then I'm always going to be scared to back Corey Anderson against an opportunistic finisher, especially an opportunistic finisher who can be opportunistic on the feet and on the floor. Um, that being said, uh, Corey Anderson would be like one of the, he, he didn't make my DraftKings pick, but he would also kind of fit that, where as far as if you're going to look for an underdog or an underdog you didn't play, you would want a guy like Corey Anderson whose path to victory is volume and takedowns to where if OSP has an off night or just misses and or just for whatever reason doesn't stop him, then Corey Anderson may likely rack up points to decision win, which wouldn't surprise me here, to be honest. I would I wouldn't blame you for you know picking a guy like Corey Anderson if you needed to make room on your roster for you know a bigger a bigger price dude but uh, I stayed away from this fight I don't think I really played anything to be honest uh, next fight Harris versus Godbeer out of principle this has to be a parlay piece again um, it's listed as minus four hundred because I always list the price the day of the article which was morning of even though. I don't think it came out till evening time today for the November 2nd, but, you know, the lines are pulled from the morning of when I submit the article in officially, even if I did my analysis the week before and I already made a bet. You know, I'll, I'll share those bets with you, of course, on here, uh, you know, uh, on the Protect Your Neck podcast, but as far as the article goes, in fairness, it has to be relevant to that day, in fairness, right? So, uh minus 400 but it's creeping back down it was minus 380 um last i saw and i'm locked out again so i'll pull it up here but um yeah this fight was originally supposed to happen on whatever the f card um that just happened and uh it got pulled apart be- uh Derek lewis because verdum and Derek lewis got pulled apart so verdum needed a dance partner they had harris they iced god beer so this is kind of good because the fact that Harris also got iced, but in a way where he didn't take damage, he got submitted. He was able to do a quick turnaround. Godbeer still needed a dance partner. I'm sure that left a bad taste in Harris's mouth, so they're going to do it again. Um, sure, that might raise some intangible to turn around. Uh, maybe enough to at least get the same line, which you essentially got the same line on it again. So I just, yeah, it's it's chalk, but again, I, I, I had this eyed, eyed out from before. The line came out the first time the match was supposed to happen. So out of principle, I have to play that. And I did. Uh, Walt Harris. And, and again, God beer, gem of a dude. But I just think Walt Harris's speed and southpaw striking style is going to be bad news. I don't know if God is going to be able to take him down and hasn't shown a strong path that he's going to have a victory that it gets there. If you look at um, any of his past performances there. He's got some serviceable stuff. I'm not trying to shit on the guy or anything, but I got Harris here. 
All right, and closing out the FS1 prelims is James Vick, plus 135. Joseph Duffy, minus 155. This came down a bit. Again, uh, I saw Duffy peeking out you know, in the minus 2-1 to one favorite, to minus 200 range. And I guess I could see why if you look at it on paper. Although recently, man, Vic, Vic's fighting the tougher dudes. You know, I, I think a lot of us were just we're still running off that uh, Cage Warriors and uh, Conor McGregor beat Conor McGregor uh, hype and and you know the flashy finishes against guys like you know Jake Lindsay and now Ivan George looks like a goddamn flyweight. You know, um, but um, but yeah, and I'm not trying to take away from Duffy. I'm. I'm a staunch Duffy supporter. I even picked him against Poirier, which maybe that wasn't that crazy. He might have even been favored in that fight. But the point is, I'm a, I'm a fan of Duffy's style. Amazing left hook, intercepting the way he just times it slips and just reads in the pocket. Um, I don't know if it's because of the change of camp with the TriStar. We've seen that affect different guys and, and gals in different ways, for better and for worse. But yeah, it just seemed maybe, I don't know about for better, I don't know about for worse, but it just felt like a stymied version of Joe Duffy. I mean, granted, you got the quick knockdown finish of uh, Mitch Clark, but I, Mitch Clark, clever, seems like a, another gem of a human being dude, so, you know, not trying to be negative toward him in that light at all, but as far as fighting goes, I, let's be honest, you know, Duffy probably should have done that. And then Madati, it's a weird, he, he should have probably finished Madati, to be honest, but th- that's kind of Madati's thing. It's his heart, and he comes back, and he almost dies and comes back. In the fights, right? So he gets a little shifty there, right? Even if the the bottom should have dropped out, is that really Duffy's fault, or you know, we're, we're maybe shifting blame is the wrong word, but you get what I'm trying to say. Say there as far as weighing out that fight, as far as that's that that particular sample size. So yeah, it gets a little tricky. And and, and James Vick, man, he is a he's a game day guy. He is. He shows up. He overachieves. Uh, he has that intangible to, to upset a guy, you know, um, guys like this. You know, he might not be as good on the ground, but I could see James Vick submitting a guy who's better than him. Uh, James Vick is, is, is you know, is pretty good in the feet. You know, the, he, he knows a thing or two about boxing, uh, has that experience under his belt. Um, reminded us with the Pollo Reyes fight, his last fight there. And uh, but you know I could also again for the same reason being an overachiever a real game guy a real confident guy, um, I could see Vic you know out striking knocking out a guy who's supposed to knock him out. Um, I uh, you know he you know the Abel Trujillo fight was real big. Uh, you know he made me look not so crazy by calling for a third round Darce. I think that's what he got too. Correct me if I'm wrong, but. Um, with that layout, um, and the dudes, the dudes part, I always appreciate guys who can, you know, who are not just are degenerates and gamble, but aren't afraid to look at tape and this and that. And, uh, and, uh, we, we talked to James Vick about that when he came on MMA Junkie Radio and we had, uh, Brian Caraway in the studio and they, they're, I already knew going in knowing Caraway personally and just knowing Vick just through hanging on, on shows like, uh, shout out to half the battle and stuff like that, you know, and just the MMA space, obviously. Um, they're, they're different cats and a friendly debate kept it classy, which is cool, but it was just kind of cool hearing two fighters just, just talk about issues. And, and instead of us media guys, we're to be honest, we're more than happy to shut the fuck up in those cases. Let the fighters talk about it, please. Wish they did it more. In fact, um, but it was really, cause you know, they were just very opposite and 
you know, not picking on Caraway. There's a lot of fighters that don't. We all hear it, right? Oh, I don't like watching tape. I don't like watching tape. And I get it. There's a lot of reasons for that. But uh, I always appreciate guys like Vic who can kind of pour themselves in. And even though I'm talking up James Vic here, I actually the I actually picked Duffy. Uh, but this is on the this is on the avoids list. Um, Vic Duffy. Vic Duffy, Brown Galls, Hobby Ramos, and there's one more coming up on the main card for the avoids list for that. But, uh, yeah, this is more of just sit back and watch. I mean, it could be volatile either way. The over, the under, the starts round one. The, even the starts round one, start, or starts round one, yeah, of course, going to start round one. It starts round two. You know, it's just any, kind, any kind of angle, it just starts getting tricky for me. So I, I stayed away from this one. Uh, I'm just I'm just going to enjoy that fight. Uh, I hope it ends early because usually I'm in transit. I go to Brian's house for the main card, and I definitely don't want to f- miss the first fight on the main card, which we will get to after the break. So on that beat, we will go to break, and when we come back, we will unpack the main card of UFC 217 right here on the Protect Your Neck Podcast. podcast for the main card of UFC 217 and I was looking at the time of course always over speaking of overachieving fuck Dan Tom always overachieving on the time ah sorry to keep you hopefully uh, you guys know that if you know when these things are kind of formatted the same way so if you ever want to rush to things which again we will recap all the picks all the plays at the very end because again, sometimes I'm not getting these out till Thursday night, and then we've got Saturday cards. So that's only like a day and a half to listen to this thing, right? And I get it; it's not that long. But y'all have lives, and I don't expect to be anywhere near that priority list. I don't blame you. So I try to keep these things sensible for you, for what it's worth. All right. So uh, just for reference, because I'm going to try to speed through these, and I feel a little less bad about speeding through these because, again, in reference. We go off of my breakdowns, which come out on a weekly basis, MMAJunkie.com. Um, and you can find all the details that, even if I was trying to go along on purpose, would still miss because I just get sidetracked and I miss shit. So all the details, all the tidbits, all my picks and plays, and all the little details of the main card, which we're about to get into, you can find there. First fight on the main card, because some other fight dropped out, I can't think of it. I'm not going to waste the time to think of it. Another fight gets bumped up, and that is, I know, he's supposed to be the eraser, but I'm going to call him Bohachinha, Paolo Bohachinha versus Johnny Big Rig Hendricks. Big Rig versus Bohachinha, and this is one of those fights where I find myself, you find yourself betting against a big name, a former champion, a, I don't want to say, legendary might be a bit strong, but you get it, but at the same time, there are certain this is my mo- one of my more confident plays of the card, which is Paulo Bohachini against Johnny Hendricks. That's right. 
And because at the same sense, there are some where you kind of play the matchup, right? The word fade, guys, best days are behind him. He's done. He's shot. And there are those quote-unquote spots. And you know what? Hard to argue in spots like this. It's hard to argue. And I've been the staunch supporter of Johnny Hendricks in the past. Johnny Hendricks, big big fan favorite and friend of MMA Junkie Radio uh, back in the Baconator days, which is kind of ironic. Um um, but uh, that he never took that nickname, and then now later has the weight problems. Oh, Johnny! But uh, Johnny, even when he says the right things, he fucking will go uh, completely against it and do all the wrong things. And uh, you want to think there's hope that he went to Jackson Wink, but we've seen it before. Even with my favorite fighters, that that Jackson Wink's not a end all be all as far as solving your problems. You know, time waits for nobody. There are no biological free rides. When you get older, you put the wars on you, or whatever the reasons are. We saw it with BJ Penn. That's right. And 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 I don't know if it's gonna be any different with Johnny Hendricks, especially with Johnny Hendricks. It looks like it's only been like three to five week within that range. What I had it measured out to, if you look at his Instagram. So I don't, you know, that's not a lot. That's not a long time, ladies and gentlemen, that he was out there. What is he? What is he really gonna get? You know, the the pad work that I see him doing is not with Gibson or Wink either. Uh, not hating with who the guy who he was doing it with, but I'm just I'm just saying, like, I mean, what 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 are we expecting from Hendricks? You know, he looks heavy. He's fucking five nine. He should be fitting. He should have been fighting one fifty five, not at one seventy. He can't even make one eighty five now. You know, um, he should not be at one eighty five. Like, this is more of just a fade. Not so much of Johnny Hendricks and his past performances. Not so much that his better days are behind him, and he's probably you know shot which I believe is a good case for all those, but that's not even why I'm making the play. This is more of a fate of him just being at middleweight. He just shouldn't be at middleweight. He doesn't even have a great reach if he was at, like, lightweight. It's 69 inches. 69 inches. You know, that it was under the average at welterweight. And it just, you know, an abysmal average at, at middleweight. 5'9", 69-inch reach? Come on, son. And then you have bodied up Bohachinia, um, who I don't know. I mean, speaking of being bodied up, maybe that's why he wants the eraser name. Maybe he just you know grew up on some Schwarzenegger flicks. It's just, that's a weird one though, eraser, right? I mean, well, it's probably better than anything's better than uh, what was it? Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in the the Batman movie. Freeze, chill, come on. But um. Yeah, anyway, so I checked there. I don't know why he changed his nickname. I'm going to call him Bohachinia. Um, but yeah, uh, and like I said in my breakdown on uh, the UFC 212, um, again, you know, obviously much you know, lower name competition all the way out of Bang Bose, but neither here nor there. What I was impressed is Bohachinia looks like a bully because he's all, you know, bodied up and he's, you know, finishes and barely gets out of the first round and all these things. Things that I would usually be salivating to fade. Salivating to fade him. But there is a lot to like about the guy. The little sample size on the ground shows he knows how to ride flow positions well and punish guys, favoring damage to parlay into that position. Um, and also, he does the little subtle things in technically. He's not just stalking, you know. He's faint baiting. He's faint baiting, getting them to draw drawing out what they have, and then firing. He's mixing to the body when the body's opening. And more importantly, he's variating up his timing and tempo, something that I really like. So 
kind of the example to play the drums and the play the the verbal drums again, like I did. If you remember the UFC 212 breakdown, but it's, you know, if he's got a guy up against the fence and he's doing your left to right, you know, flurries like a John Lineker, John Lineker would be left right, left right, left right, left right, left right, right. It'd be some type of variation or left right, left right, left right, right whatever the speed is. It's 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 more of a steady variation. Whereas Boachini, it's Left, left, right, 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 left, left, right, left, left, right, left, right, 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 left, 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 right, and he's very, you know, you know, and and those left, left, right, right, and sometimes those are going body, sometimes those are going head as well. So he's changing the timing and the levels again, the variation, small stuff, but important stuff, and speaks a lot that he's not just relying on whatever physical, fucking, God given or not God given. Gifts that he's rocking currently. Um, either way, uh, I see him getting it done here, man. I don't like the look on Hendricks. Uh, I don't like the look on that Bosch fight where how the stoppage happened. I mean, he looked like he was ready to be done on the stool before he, you know, it almost looked like he he, he took he took a, took he like took a knee to take a timeout like it's a football or something like a quarterback you know that's what it reminded me of like very disturbing body language and then even in like the embedded like uh how's your camp johnny and like you would expect him to give the political answer because you even see that he looks at the person the fighter that the embedded camera crew is following and then before giving his answer looks directly breaking the third wall into the camera you know putting putting the scene together like okay he put the scene together he's gonna probably give a a good answer to not make himself look bad. And he goes, rougher than I'd like. I was at Jackson's. <laughs> and I was watching it uh, earlier today, actually, because I usually I usually save all, just like with the podcast, embedded, all those things that could possibly influence my opinion. I save them. That's my dessert. That's like my, ooh, that's my funny pages, you know, if it's the newspaper metaphor there. So I was actually just watching that today um, with my girlfriend and she just like starts busting out laughing because even she, I don't even think, she, you know, she doesn't bet on MMA even though she follows it, but she just kind of, even she was, had the same, it triggered the same mental pathway for her too, where she was like, holy shit, that sounds bad. That's a fucking flag. <laughs> like even she was like, what the fuck? <laughs> He did not have a poker face at all in saying that. I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's a bad sign. That's a bad sign. So, uh, again, if anything, maybe just the three to five weeks was enough for Johnny to get beat up and start doubting himself. I don't know. Anyways, I'm not trying to be a shitbag and, and wish him badly here. But the pick is Bohachinia as the parlay piece, minus 255. He is currently at... Minus 265, so it's climbing a little bit, but not too much. Again, the in, inside the distance um, is a prop as well. Minus 155, uh, I got it for, I played that at 1.5 units. Um, usually the props are only half a unit. Rarely anything, even straight plays, do I do 1.5. But I'm confident on it, and with the minus 155, it just kind of felt right to go 1.5 on it to try to get the unit uh, in the neighborhood of return, uh, gonna f- pull up uh, Bohachini inside the distance before we move on to the next fight. Ah, fuck it. I gave you what I played for. Whatever. Go look up what it is now. It's probably gonna be different by the time you're hearing this. So whatever. Next fight on the main card: Stephen Thompson versus Jorge Masvidal, which is the last official fight on the avoid list because goddamn, this is a close fight. This is a close fight. And I love both these guys. Um, 
you know, I got the karate love, obviously, being not just karate, but Kenpo karate, that being my jam. Um, I have a, you know, uh, there's a bias there. But also comes with an honest understanding there of Stephen Thompson's game. Not just saying karate shit's awesome because it's karate shit. Or not just saying karate shit sucks because it's karate shit. Like, I, you know, the good thing is I can actually break it down. The bad thing is there's a bias there that I have to work through. And it makes it even harder and cloudier when the, there's another bias on the other side. Because Jorge Masvidal, I love Jorge Masvidal. And I, 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 I'll be honest, I, I, you know, I come in leaning to some people. That's, not, that's no, nothing new. We all do that. But I actually had the thought process, which I don't ever, if anything, have this. But I was just like, okay, Dan, this is, I know this is going to be a close fight. But if it's close... You could probably justify a Masvidal pick. Put it on the avoid list. Pick Masvidal. Um, because it, it makes sense from a betting angle. If it's close, you know, you uh, uh, if it's close, why not go with the dog, which sounds very stupid and care, careless. But if not only, why not go with the dog? If the dog has more paths to victory and is an experienced fighter, you know what you're getting, which is Jorge Masvidal, then shit, why not? Still, I went with Thompson. And, and he, you know, Again, go, go go look at the breakdown imagejunkie.com get the details. But essentially, the dynamic is this: there's not a lot of guys that kind of fit this. You kind of really have to do some puzzle piecing and really kind of having a look look at the you know really breaking down technique at that point, which I get. It, it's not the easiest thing to do, and doesn't even give you solid answers, obviously. But got to go off what I can go off of, and obviously that's that's that that's my thing. That's what I like to look at, and when I look at that. I feel like Jorge has his most trouble with guys who can counter him, guys that are long and guys that are long. And when you see the shots that have dropped Jorge, um, you know the the, the right hands, you know, uh, Crookshank and those earlier, uh, I think even Kiesa fight maybe even before he finished him. Um, but yeah, those are those are those early fights in lightweight. And yeah, you can maybe attribute it to the weight cut and guys are less durable as we start to see. And you know there could be some of that too in there. But, uh, and props to Jorge, he recovers. I'm not trying to knock on him, but let's be honest. He gets knocked down a lot. You know, as, as great as he is as a striker, I love his slick boxing technique. He does, he, he's not beyond getting hit because of that pull and return style and that offense first. And we love it when Jorge's pressuring. That's when he's doing best. That's when the judges, you know, have a, have a harder time than usual to den- deny Jorge. As much as we love that. Pressuring in nature will make you more hittable, and, and we've seen that with Jorge with his pull and return pressure style. Um, and on the flip side, not only do you have a counterfighter, but you have a counterfighter in Stephen Thompson, who, as a counterfighter, has done better with, when facing pressure fighters, right? Um, Cote, who you know won the decision over, which was impressive because that's that was uh, amidst uh, Cote's little resurgence there, right? Um, and, and so forth. Uh, Ellenberger, who you know. Yeah, I love Jake, but obviously his best days have been behind him for a minute. But uh, and that was kind of amongst the spark, amongst the downhill trend. You could already argue um, wherever you fall on it. But the fact is, he was a pressure come forward guy, and that's what plays into Wonder Boy's game. Uh, he's hard to take down. Masvidal isn't like, even though he's got, I don't even want to say underrated wrestling because it's not underrated at this point. I think everybody knows Masvidal is a really good wrestler at this point. And even, you know, if you can't dissect what you saw to give enough credit to Masvidal and a loss to, to Maya, just go listen to Maya's post fight speech and how much credit he has 
Maya gives Masvidal, not just for his, his wrestling, but for his jiu-jitsu. So uh, Masvidal's legit. The problem is most of his takedowns are like opportunistic against the fence. And uh, though Stephen Thompson can come sometimes play along the fence, which usually is a flag for me, he usually only plays along the fence when he's facing wrestlers. And my theory behind that is um, for takedown defense, so he can defend takedowns easier. So that kind of he just works it as a safety, and then since he's a counterfighter, he's gonna say, "Hey, come to me." Um, he's more willing to pressure, stick, and move in the open when he has a when he has a willing dance partner. So. I'm hoping it's just going to make for a fun fight and both guys get paid for some fight of the night action. Uh, it's probably going to go over because both guys are durable. And again, I don't see... Um, if It'd be smart if Masvidal sells out for it, but it's not Masvidal style to sell out for a takedown. He's going to flow into the fight. He's going to feel it, you know, for better or worse. And uh, unless unless you think, you know, in my opinion, the, well, the reason why I ended up signing with Thompson because I'm like, okay, well, with that dynamic layout... Comes down to unless you think uh, Wonder Boy, which is possible, he's thirty-four years old or something like that. I believe I don't have it right in front of me, but you know, unless you believe the timing, which hey, timing is the first thing to go. When the bottom is dropping out, you know, we've seen him recover, but we've also seen him drop too. You know, that criticism of two-way street, same criticism for Jorge, can be said about Stephen Thompson, right? They're both really tough, durable, recover well, but they also get hit. They're not beyond getting hit, as good as strikers as they are. Um, so for me, it was, unless you believe that, then it's hard. The Even when I go in with a rare bias, like I just admitted to having toward Jorge with this one, you hear me say it before, guys and gals, I can't go against the eyes, and the eyes are just seeing those those counter, those intercepting fists of uh, Wonder Boy Thompson going, going to work here. Um, possibly knocking down Jorge to earn him some rounds in a decision victory that's going to be competitive and close. I kept all the money away from it. Um, I suggest you do too, but if you're taking the shot on the dog, I don't blame you, man. Jorge Masvidal is one of my favorite underdogs. All right, next fight, title fight. First of three, Yanni and Jacek versus number 11, Rose Namajunas, not ranking-wise, the Stranger Things pun. Um, still haven't watched Stranger Things too, so... I probably shouldn't have said that. Now y'all gonna hit me with spoilers. <laughs> but yeah, I, I disagree with this line. Most inflated fucking line of the card. I think we got like minus seven hundred odds. She got bet up to. I don't know if she got like opened up minus four or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, and Jay check. But yeah, it's like minus seven hundred odds and like a comeback of like five to one or something. I keep getting logged out because I keep forgetting to even look at the odds or my notes, as you can tell, because I'm like fucking Rain Man, even without lack of sleep, still going off the notes in my head. It's like a dream catcher when they're filing shit away. I'm just, Dan Tom's like, all right, perverted jokes, uh, sexual memories, I'm past those. Oh, irritant MMA stuff. There we go. <laughs> all right. Uh, Rose Nami Yunus, plus 525, minus 750. Jeez, it keeps climbing. Dude, I, I'd be lying if I said that, uh, like, I... <laughs> I I, I, I I didn't, you know, sprinkle something on Rose. Just, again, sprinkles, it's like, you know, just a couple bucks here. Just for shits of it. Because, again, uh, you uh, you can go into detail. I go into detail on both their games. But, essentially, I got Jan Jacek here. I think it's going to be by decision because Rose is durable. Um, you know, the, the mental thing seems to be a hot topic. You know me, I'm a staunch defender of that. But, at the same time, it's real. And if I'm going to do my job, you have to acknowledge that, that it affects people. And just like with UFC South Foul last week, 
I like to champion these guys. You know, the two two of my two of my I think I don't know if they were both straight plays. One was a prop uh, font inside the distance, a straight play Hermanson. Both those shit the bed because both those guys had Hermanson in actual Sao Paulo. Both those guys had their their lone losses in the UFC, promising guys in Brazil, which is understandable. Uh, you know, decent comp- decent enough competition in Brazil, first time in Brazil. Um, but and they said all the right things. They had their time to correct it. This is the time where on paper most guys nine times out of ten, if they're a good guy, they will correct that mistake. I backed them. They didn't, and they kind of look like they shit the bed mentally. You know, from the panic shot. Granted, Munoz tagged Font. Um, don't worry, I'm not going to get sidetracked into a Sao Paulo breakdown here. And, you know, Hermanson, uh, but Hermanson looked like he shit the bed, and he kind of admitted it in a really classy Instagram post, by the way, giving Tiago Mahet Santos his due credit, which Santos does deserve, uh, especially for me, because I've picked against him the last couple times. But uh, both those guys shit the bed, and so, again, as much as I want to champion mental health and these guys getting back on the horse at the same time, hey, man, uh, whether we're putting money in betting, we're degenerates, or it's our job as analysts... Got to do your job, and uh, it, you know, not shitting on somebody for mental things or this or that. I'm a supporter of them as a human being, but hey, man, it does affect the fight game because the fight game is mental, y'all. So um, it does for those reasons. I don't blame you for being sketchy on on not picking Rose Nami Yunus. Me, you know, I, even if that wasn't an issue, I I can't say I still would have picked her against Yanjay Chick in this spot, but. Yeah, I'd be lying if I said it didn't factor into Myro's analysis every time she fights, you know? Like, hmm, you have that inkling in the back of your head. But in defense of Rose, in Ioanni and Jacek's last three to four fights, in, in the first three rounds, she's been taken down and or sat down by straight punches or taken down by some version of a takedown in her last four fights straight. And granted, they've all been in the early th- three rounds because as we all know by now, or hopefully you should at least. Yen Jacek is hittable and she adjusts and is just like a runaway train and just gets better as the fight goes on and just runs away with decisions unless you can stop her or she can stop you. That's how it generally goes. Until otherwise. Um, with that being said, Nama Yunus has taken down all her all six of her UFC opponents. And that's including, yes, one of the better wrestlers and one of her more devastating defeats, Carlos Barza, early on in her career. She even took her down. Rose can take people down. Rose has one of the better jabs and is one of the better straight punchers in the division. Straight punches have been what dropped uh, Yan Jacek, whether they're jabs, if Rose is a good jab, or they're counter right hands. Um, jab and counter right hand is literally Rose's two best strikes. So if we're looking at it from that perspective, you would have to be silly to discount a path, which is why, even though I'm, I'm, I'm on Yan Jacek here, believe me, even though I'm in in Jacek, that's why I'm against the line and why just out of principle, I almost feel like I have to, you know, put a couple bucks on Rose. Well, not as principle, let's be honest. I'm a fucking degenerate and, and have to have, you know, feel like I <laughs> have something there. But no, not not really. But honestly, there there is a, there is a path there, though, right? I mean, that, that's, that's the crazy part. That being said... Ioana and Jacek is not just one of the best, but what, what what sells me is not just any of her stand-up, it's how she gets up. And I've talked about it before, um, the get-up game, and I like how she gets up. Not only does she put her back to the fence like a cheese grater, so that guy people can't 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 take her back, although, let's be honest, we saw Rose have that demon-like back take against Waterson, who was trying... She did a poor 
not man, I should say a poor woman's version. Watterson did a poor woman's version, granted, but it still doesn't take away from how creative Rose was there, nor the threat she presents going forward. But what I am saying is that, fundamentally, Yin Jacek does those fence get-ups correctly. More importantly, she does, y'all know, pontificate not enough, my favorite, single-leg get-ups, Single leg getup, most underutilized getup in MMA. It protects your head because your head's buried into their crotch, which sounds gross, but hey, what that means is only the back of your head legal strike zones are imposed. And instead of your normal high underhook under the armpit getup, as with MMA goes, these quote unquote rules, we develop counters for their rules. What's the counter of the underhook getup? Guillotines and dar strokes. So, what does you want to do, which is smart, like what Damian Maya does when you can't get all the way up to the hip? You go under the ass. That's right. You grab under the ass with the underhook because that debases the guillotine. They counter guillotine and counter Darce threats. It allows you to re-wrestle if you're Damian Maya, or if you're Yanni and Jacek, it allows you to stand and separate. So she does that. In that process, though, you can still kind of give your neck if you're not careful. What you're generally not giving is your back there. That's what's not. That's what's not in play, and that's what's key. That is the worst case scenario for. Not just Yen Jacek for anybody facing Nami Yunus. She's a killer from the back. Not only is she taking down all of her UFC opponents, there is not one fight in her career that she has lost where she's established the back mount. So in other words, if she's established the back mount in any of her fights in the past, she's won those fights. That stat, like undefeated records, like any stats won't last forever. There are no free rides in this game. But hearing a stat like that, would kind of make you shit some bricks if you saw her get Yohanna's back in this fight. Remember that stat if you see that. So you can have that whole butthole-clenching feel that I'll probably have, even though I don't have a dog in the fight, uh, to be honest. If anything, I should be rooting for Rose to do well. Um, you know, which I am at a personal level. I I, I, I dig a... Uh, I don't know Rose personally. I don't, maybe, maybe, maybe she sucks. I don't know. But uh, uh, I've always been a fan. Not a fanboy, but, you know, just a fan of her fight style and whatnot. Number 11. All right. Co-main event, Dillashaw Garbrandt. Closest, closest fight on the, you know, one of the closer fights on the card. One of the more sensible lines, though. Um, Garbrandt kind of climbing. He's up to a 175. He's been around like a 155, 165, I think, for fight week for the most part, and come back on Dillashaw, plus 155. I uh, go into detail about both their games. This can be tricky. Whenever you have two training partners, it's always tricky because, A, for the most part, it always makes for an awkward fight. It makes for a fight that, if there is one usual guarantee, it's at least at least one, if not both of the fighters, you're going to get a different performance than you usually get from them when they're facing a training partner. Two... Building off that intangible effect, we often see the guy, there's the effect where the guy who gets his ass kicking training comes out and wins. You know, we saw it with Mike Brown versus, Matt Brown versus Mike Pyle. Granted, that's Mike Pyle's stereotype and trope, which by the way, not just, let's take it easy on Mike Pyle. Let's be honest, that trope exists with a lot of guys. I'm actually trying to get better with myself at spotting that trope with with more guys. But uh, we've seen it in other instances too. What was the other thing I was just uh, thinking about of... um, they met in the gym, and then it was completely different. Uh, but but the, that that example often exists too. So again, it makes these fights kind of high intangible filled. Now the talk is that Cody Garbrandt got the better of training as we record this on Thursday night. Thursday, today, the 2nd of November, uh, the footage that has been talked about, well, maybe not the exact footage. I really don't follow the gossip that deeply. I don't care. 
um, was posted, and I kind of did a post of it, repost of it earlier on my Twitter, only because it was just ironic, because it, this came out like late afternoon, but this morning, we had uh, Dwayne Ludwig, TJ's trainer, and he went out of his way to say that TJ Dillashaw got the better of uh, most, of, most in his words, of their sparring session, so I kind of felt it was funny he went out of his way to say that, and um, then that footage gets released today. And there's also a weird interview where I don't know how much he's actually training because I know TJ's out here in California. I'm following the social media feeds and all that shit. And I know Dwayne still has a school and apparently he's been out there, but I don't know how much he's been out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, it sounded kind of sketchy with the answers he's given us. I'm not trying to throw shade on Dwayne at all here. Um, uh, I dig Dwayne as crazy as he, as he is because I'm crazy too. Us crazy's got to stick together. But, uh, but no, so I'm not trying to shit on him by any means, but it just, I don't know, it's got a weird vibe. I don't know. Um, TJ's training with Cub by the looks of in the social media, which I get, you know, as far as the boxing style go. I don't know how well that's going to translate, but because the speed is a different level. And that's what I think is going to make the difference here. It's the hand speed. It's the hand speed. It's the foot speed. And as we saw against Cruz, it's the head movement speed of Cody Garbrandt. You know, he, he's a, he, he shows up on game day. We just talked about the word overachieving. He's, he's an overachiever in my book, at least from that performance alone. So it's really hard. That's another intangible in itself. You know, it's like, well, how good is this guy? Jesus, right? Makes it really tricky. Um, I uh, I sprinkled a little bit on, on Garbrandt straight up at the minus 165. I might sprinkle a little bit on the KO because that's how I see him getting it done here. Uh, I see him breaking him down, finding his shots once he finds Dillashaw's timing. Dillashaw's the more well-rounded fighter. I think he probably has a better ground game. And with that being said, has more pass to victory than Garbrandt. But Garbrandt's got excellent hips, real quick hips, real good defensive wrestler. Better wrestler apparently than his accolades late on. You know, state champion, high school kind of cuts off there, but apparently he had real collegiate prospects if he would have gone that way. But Cody was probably too busy having fights in the pump house back in Ohio. So <laughs> the pick is Garbrandt. All right. Um, main event time. Mike, oh, wait, wait, actually, uh, Cody Garbrandt, by the way, uh, DraftKings because he's a five-round fighter, and I think he's going to get the win. Uh, Rose Namajunas, um, DraftKings because she is the cheapest. She's the cheapest uh, person of everybody. So it, not only will that free up, obviously, frees up your roster to a, a, a the nth degree. But like I said, she's durable. So even in a loss, she's going to be there, which means she's probably going to be scoring points because you know, Jan Jacek is hittable. And Jan Jacek is taken down a bull, which is not a word. I understand. But that's the clear path for Rose here. Um, so... Even in a victory, and I mean, even in a defeat, obviously, which I'm, I'm, I'm the pick is Yolanda and Jacek by decision, but even in a defeat, the reason why Rose is on there because the dynamic of the game. If you guys aren't aware about fantasy MMA, you have to sometimes pick underdogs, picks that you don't norm, or picks that go against your official picks. So the reason why I'm going against it there is because even in a defeat, is what I'm trying to say, Rose can score strikes and takedowns and have five rounds to do so. Um, Bohachinia, for the reasons listed, was also on the DraftKings team. Uh, Walt Harris for the reasons that we already kind of went over. It was on there. Amenza um, Hobby for the reasons listed. Um, who the fuck is CG? Cody Garbrandt. Yep, for the reasons listed. Um, and lastly, MB, Michael Bisping. That's right. Main event time. He is the last person on our DraftKings roster. He is also 
the only person on the officially on the straight plays at minus 105 as he's now minus 110 and a dead even 110 a a western showdown that's right he's facing George St. Pierre um by the way the straight play minus 105 that, that's that's one unit and then also a prop yeah going big on Bisping here inside the distance plus 280 I put a half a unit there excuse me reason being it's because again, it's tricky because, like I, like I said at the top, you know, these stat cards mean you have to bet against big names, and I'm betting against one of the biggest names here, right? There's no, there's no, no disillusions there. But oh god, man, you're fucking gasping me over here. Oh god, yeah, my dog is terrible gas. Sorry. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm betting more the 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 matchup, the spot, if you will. A guy that shouldn't be fighting at 185 who had his chance and, you know, as suspected, uh, as suspected as a picker and chooser, I'm not even going to get into the PED thing, but um, amongst the things suspected of GSP, not trying to be a GSP hater or come off the bat that way, but just don't say that word again. Don't say that word again. Appropriate to what we're saying, (laughs) I'm talking about now, he picked and chooses fight here. And hey, he's GSP. He can do that. Uh, and 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 picked Bisping. Um, but I don't I don't know if it's a good matchup. I don't think it's a good matchup for him. I don't think he should be there. It's a four year layoff. It's a bigger guy. All these things is enough to pick against George Saint Pierre. Furthermore, he's a guy who has a timing based game. He wasn't a counter fighter, but he was a transition guy. And not only is that a timing based game, that is a timing based game that requires all of your motor functions, right? Superman punch, leg kick level change that he was hitting on Tiago Alves, things we didn't see to the later of his career, which I'll get to in a second. You know, it requires so much of you. And it doesn't matter if you're one of the greatest, Anderson Silva or a former champion, Lyoto Machida, right? We've seen these examples recently. We've seen these realities recently, right? You come back, it's an unkind world. There's no free lunches in this world of MMA. There's no biological free rides, ladies and gentlemen. And timing, speed, those things are the first to go. So if timing and speed is your, your, the basis of your game, if timing and speed is the thing you're boasting about, you're going to have advantage over, over Michael Bisping coming in off of a four-year layoff. I don't know about that, man. That alone, I believe, justifies the picks and plays that I just gave you. But you know what really sold me? Not any of any of those on-paper things. What I saw in actual fights. To be honest, the last three fights. Now, I know, I believe there's a stat out there. Don't quote me on it because I don't have it in front of me. That George St. Pierre in his last three fights took more damage in his whole career. So I was aware. There wasn't a shocker in that sense, if you know uh, of that stat or whatever that stat really is, if I if I, if I butchered it i mean i don't think i completely butchered it i think it is something along those lines but yeah in other words i was not surprised to see him not do well to see him downtrend in those fights but what i was surprised to see how much he downtrend um he wasn't gassing by any means or looking visibly tired but for george st pierre there were arguments that he was being tired and slowing down because not only were those rounds closer he took more damage he moved his head a lot less Right? These are all little subtle things, but they all add up. Checkbox, checkbox, checkbox. Strike accuracy also went down. More importantly, much more telling, his takedown accuracy went down. In fact, come rounds three, four, and five, not even in his very last fight that he arguably lost to Johnny Hendricks. It was a close fight. 
I scored it for Hendricks, by the way, though. I will say that. Um, but those fights before that, still within the three that I'm talking about here, but I'm just saying, they were the fights before that. GSP and Carlos Condit, who have vacant to no double-leg defense, were stuffing and defending successfully uh, St. Pierre in rounds three, four, and five. More so Diaz than Condit. Condit still got taken down at crucial points. That got St. Pierre some of those rounds, but... He was having much more success than he did throughout the whole fight, Condit was. And yes, obviously Condit's a slow burn type of guy, so is Diaz. But it doesn't matter, slow burn or not, they have shit for takedown defense. And they were stuffing the best takedown guy, the best transition guy, while he was still active four plus years ago, five years ago in some of those examples that I just cited. And now he's going to come back after four years? After USADA? Some weird body dysmorphia and some weird, oh, I'm not ready to take the fight, the fight, oh, this political move, is it really a political move because there's a doctor thing, oh, you knew about this test, yes, there's this weird test, oh, it's just these weird signs hearkening back to the whole Johnny Hendricks thing, which although, to, to, to St. Pierre's credit, um, I may be one to kind of speculate that St. Pierre might have uh, been doing something, to his credit, he was ahead of the game in accusing Johnny Hendricks, not that I want to throw that speculation on either of these guys because they both deserve your respect, um, they're both former champions but who defended their titles but but yeah man <laughs> those eye test photos those speculations those numbers those those accusations are all out there I mean, you don't need me to f- f- fucking politely beat around the bush like I'm trying to do right now about it but yeah man all those check boxes it to bisping who if anything is proven to be an outlier to the normal checkboxes who's having his best years who's making his biggest strides and what is the winter of his career because it is the winter of his career he knows it we know it let's admit it let's be real here it is the winter of his career but he's a fucking outlier because he is doing better getting better yeah 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 he got tagged tagged up against dan henderson and dan henderson the fight of his life that was dan henderson's super bowl you know what i'm saying i don't i don't think it's a condemnation of bisping it doesn't take away the fact of what he's done and uh, so I think that St. Pierre can take him down. Bisping's shown, even in his improved wrestling, that he can be taken down, but he gets up. He's so active of his hips, the butterfly guard, uses the cage wisely. And St. Pierre, he actually, St. Pierre has a really, he was a really good back taker, man. A really fucking underrated back taker early in the day. But with the conservative style comes the reluctancy to put your hooks in. I don't think he's going to make for it to count. If he's smart, he probably will because the submission game is the one thing he always quietly worked in between fights the most. And being retired, I imagine he wasn't trying to get hit on the, in the head on the daily. So I imagine if he was doing any martial art, it was a grappling-based martial art. So I would not be surprised to see GSP have more of an aggressive grappling approach. That is clearly his path to victory for a guy that's been hit too much. Um, despite his record. Um, so, so so don't get me wrong. I would not be surprised to see an uptake there, but traditionally, St. Pierre is more of a ride-and-punch guy. So I don't, unless like he truly compromises Bisping or for whatever reason hell froze over and Bisping got tired, I don't see Bisping getting submitted. He would have to like really catch Bisping perfectly with a head kick and then follow up on the ground with ground strikes for me to see him getting a stop on Bisping on the ground. And again, you'd have to depend on the cardio that was already showing signs of fading four to five plus years ago without the layoff on the intangibles. You'd have to count on George St. Pierre not just getting the takedowns, avoiding damage on the feet, but also not draining his own gas tank. So in my opinion, it looks really bleak for GSP. That's why I went hard on Bisping here. So Bisping is the play. 
Um, we're gonna get out of here. We already ran ran pretty long, uh, hour and a half or so. Uh, so to recap on the plays uh, from the top, uh, you can go to my article for the picks. I'm not gonna. I can go through all the picks, but um, <clears throat> parlay pieces: Walt Harris, Paulo Bohacinha. Uh by the way, I also parlayed Ian Q. Laba inside the distance, and you can get like plus 108 for parlaying those three together in the neighborhood, at least at least as of today it was. Um, straight plays, Bisping, minus 105 I got him for. One unit was what I pulled the trigger. I was waiting for that plus money, but I don't know if we'll get it. I'm hoping we will. If it does, I will double dip if there's plus money on Bisping. But I did do a little polite, uh, not polite, but a little fun little degenerate sprinkle on Randy Brown, plus 100, just to... You know, quarter unit there. Um, props. Bisping inside the distance, plus 280, half a unit. Bochinha inside the distance, minus 151. Or minus 155, 1.5 units. Um, oh, I did, uh, I sprinkled two round two props for fun. Costa plus 42075, and Harris plus 475. Uh, both quarter unit apiece there. And. Uh, possible parlay fodder and and just a prop you could play straight up because it was well within range. I don't know what it's at now, but I got it for minus one thirty. The over one and a half for Blades, Olenek, uh, one unit. Um, Olenek by sub, by the way, worth looking for though. It's getting bet bet down. Uh, DraftKings roster, uh, top down. Uh, sorry, I'm having to decipher initials here. Uh, Paulo Costa Bohacinha. Uh, Walt Harris, uh, Eamon Zahabi, Cody Garbrandt, Michael Bisping, Rose Namajunas for $49,800 roster price. Avoid lists, Vic versus Duffy, Masvidal versus Thompson, Brown versus Gall, and Zahabi versus Ramos. So that is the recap of the picks. Again, I'll, I'll always do that at the end there in case you guys are pressed for time and don't have access to the article, but want kind of the, the what's on the article and the bonus tidbits, you can kind of fast forward there, I guess. I don't blame you, actually. Why the fuck do you want to hear me rant? I'm fucking tired of hearing myself talk. So on that beat, we're going to get the fuck out of here. Um, I'll save the iTunes stuff for later, but I do appreciate the, the, the five-star ratings and reviews. Please keep those coming. The Amazon click-throughs, the Onnit click-throughs, right on MixedMartialAnalyst.com, host of this here podcast, which you can find at the PYN podcast on Twitter. Beautiful thing about that address is the same for Instagram at the PYN podcast. Also at the PYN podcast on Facebook. I don't blame you. Social media is way too fucking much, but I do do my due diligence to post from all three of those. And even if it's just a follow, you can fucking ignore me after. Even just a follow helps. Any support helps. Again, we can complain all day, but vote with your dollars. Vote with your voice. I certainly appreciate it. I appreciate the fuck out of this. I really do. I, I I appreciate my health where it's at right now, even with the problems that I have. I am fucking lucky, believe me. Uh, you know, uh, the fact that I get to break down fights, the fact that I get to talk to you guys, and at least, you know, some of you guys, I don't care if, you know, the ones that even that don't like me, that's all, you know, that's all good too. I don't know why I even brought that up, because really, I actually just get all positive stuff, to be honest. So what I'm trying to say is I'm, I'm fucking grateful as shit, whether you like me or not, I guess is what I was trying to say. And I'm grateful for it all. So seriously, thank thank you guys. Thank you guys uh, whenever you take the time to tag, comment, review, share the breakdown, share the podcast, telling friends, 
that's the best thing you can do to be honest like more than any, any kind of click through or any kind of monetary thing which I'm trying to avoid here as you can tell keeping all my content free or post it on the outlet find it on MMAJunkie.com find my work there find me five days a week at MMA Junkie Radio of course here on the Protect Your Neck podcast so uh, I guess that's it good luck on your plays this weekend uh, hopefully you had a good Halloween uh, hopefully you didn't reach into the wrong candy jar and grab something slimy or bad hopefully nobody cosby your candy and hopefully you protected your neck